everyone. This is uh, Paul Dick, owner and head coach of Stark Strength and Conditioning, Stark CrossFit. And uh, we are actually doing our first podcast today right out of uh, my brand new office, right out of our brand new facility, which is pretty awesome. We've been in here for a month now and uh, everything's coming together. It's Everything takes a little bit more time than, than you expect. So I had certain plans for... Uh, for the space to, to get done on certain timelines. And then uh, not, not everything went according to plan, but uh, it is coming along and I'm pretty happy and pretty excited about it. So definitely got to thank uh, our amazing community of members who, uh, who have helped out to uh, helped out with the move when we tore down uh, Stark 1.0 and, uh, and brought everything over to, to 2.0, laying the turf, cutting and laying flooring, um, painting our amazing logo on the wall. Like none of this could have been done without you guys. And, uh, and I'm very thankful that we, we do have, uh, you all as, as members and, uh, and appreciate our, our community here very much. So, uh, we also have, uh, our, our Stark games coming up September 9th and 10th. So this is the third year in a row that we're doing the Stark games. Um, there's still some time to register for, uh, uh, registrations open until August 27th at midnight. So if you're wanting to register, we do have uh, some uh, spots available for uh, teams of two female. So you can do uh, um, RX category or intermediate. And then same thing for men, teams of two, RX and intermediate. So it is $200 per team to register, and it's a two-day event. So there's four workouts in the first day, three in the second day, and um, it should be a lot of fun. We've got some off-site workouts, which we've been known for and uh, on both days. So we're starting off outside of the box on the first, uh, on the first workout of both days, and then um, we'll be back inside the box for uh, for the rest of them. So um, we're looking looking forward to showing you guys our, our new box and uh, hoping that uh, it gets well used that weekend. So um, for our, our podcast today, we were uh, we were chatting about plateaus earlier in the day and we invited one of our coaches uh Caden Booth to sit in on this one but uh he's he's never hit a plateau and never failed a lift so he's uh he he didn't know what to talk about for plateaus this is a joke by the way so we've got uh Ben Fransu here with me and um yeah we were just uh we were just going to talk about some things that you might want to look at and um, pay attention to if you are noticing that you are hitting some plateaus. So here you go, Ben. All right. So we may as well start from the beginning. And uh, as we were saying earlier, I think uh, a big thing that people miss is stuff that they can be doing at home to really help the performance of the gym. So if we look at uh, what types of plateaus we can hit, you know, the first thing that a lot of people would think of is kind of like aesthetic stuff. So if you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, and I think that can have a big effect on what you're doing in the gym for sure. Just like what you're eating, what you're sleeping is like. Um, recovery stuff is super important, of course, too. I think that's becoming more mainstream. I think more people have physios now than when CrossFit kind of originally came out. But I, I still think it's underutilized. And I think a lot of people can be doing a lot of that stuff at home. You know, I, I don't think you necessarily need to be just going to physios once or twice a week. I think you buy yourself a lacrosse ball and roll around on the floor a little bit after training. And, 
you know, I think there's a lot of stuff you can be doing from home to help with plateaus and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, if people are putting in a lot of time training, um, you know, whether it's an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day, I think people should be spending at least 20 minutes per hour focusing on some of, uh, some of that extra TLC on the body um, to, to help it to recover. And that could be, you know, whether it's ice baths, whether it is spending some time doing foam rolling, making use of ROMWOD, which we'll have here for, uh, athletes available after workouts and stuff like that. Um, and just, uh, just working on areas that, uh, may need a little more TLC. Like I said, you know, if you have uh, tight T spine and it affects your overhead position, but you are wanting to, to progress as an athlete, then, you know, spending a bit more time working on that, you know, every, every day. And it doesn't have to be a ton of time, but you know, the more you're wanting to get out of your training and, uh, and out of your body, then, uh, you know, you, you definitely need to be putting that work in. Um, I think one of the most overlooked things is nutrition. Um, people are always willing to put in more work in the gym and, um, wanting to, wanting to bust their ass in the gym more and they're not paying attention to, uh, to their eating habits as much. So I think maybe tracking, you know, what you're eating, what you're taking in, um, just because if there's a, a very large imbalance when it comes to your activity level versus, uh, energy input, you can, you can have some negative effects and results from that too. Like I know myself, um, I do eat high quality food, but I typically don't eat enough of it throughout the day. And that really makes me feel lethargic. Um, any, any work that I have to do on the computer and stuff like that, like my mind just doesn't feel like I'm in it. I go to do a workout with, if it's later on in the day and I just feel like crap, so, you know, even, even making sure that, uh, you are eating enough to support what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that could start with just writing down what you're, what you're taking in throughout the day. And there's different apps that you could use that'll give you a, you know, a, a basic idea of how many calories you're taking in your macros, stuff like that. Um, or you can get a, uh, a nutrition, uh, counselor, advisor, uh, coach, uh, dietitian, someone that can, uh, kind of look at what you're taking in and saying, Hey, you're, you know, you're putting out, you're burning X number of calories a day, like, you know, four or 5,000 calories a day, but you're only taking in like 1500 or 2000 calories a day. Um, you're not going to be able to get away with that for very long. And you're probably going to see some, some plateaus and, you know, your sleep habits might not be too great and your output levels might not be too great. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just part of the equation that needs to be balanced. Um, if you're finding that, uh, that maybe things aren't going in the direction that you're wanting them to. Yeah, I think I think nutrition is definitely overlooked, and it's it's so funny how many members I know that are like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and eat a cheeseburger after this," and I'm like, <laughs> you know, that that's cool, like whatever floats your boat. But I think you're you're only cheating yourself to some degree. I think um, it's easy to overthink nutrition too. Like I think a lot of people hear all this stuff about oh ketogenic or high carb or whatever, and I think it can tend to be very frightening to look at the first time. I, I know when I first started training, I didn't even want to think about nutrition much. It's like, I just want to work out hard and bleed from the ears during the day. And then hopefully the magic happens overnight. And that works for a very short period of time. And then there becomes a point of diminishing return. And I think a big thing for me was just, um, 
focusing on what Ben Bergeron will say. So Ben Bergeron's not like a nutrition coach, but he did a nutrition lecture for his gym and actually put it up on his YouTube page. And I thought it was really interesting. He said, you know, a big part of eating well is just eating food that looks like food. And there's almost no diet in the world that will disagree with that. Like if an avocado looks like an avocado and a chicken thigh looks like a chicken thigh, those are great things to eat. Like if you look at protein bars and what's in a lot of like really processed stuff, like it doesn't look like food. So it's a pretty easy way to be like, okay, does this look like food? Yes or no? If no, probably try to avoid it. Doritos don't really look like they came out of the ground or were killed in nature and then brought home and made to eat, right? Like they, it's a pretty one-to-one if it looks like food, it's probably good for you. And then even if you don't want to go into the depth of counting macros or counting calories, I think it's a really good first step to just look at what you're eating before you put it into your body. I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, I totally agree with that, uh, Ben. I, uh, I think like one of anytime we do a nutrition seminar here, we're always pushing the, uh, making sure that, you know, your, your food, if it like runs, flies, swims, crawls, um, or grows, like it's, it's probably good to eat. Um, and that's, that's the first thing I would tell people to do too, is, you know, look at your, look at your eating habits and is it coming from like a processed, you know, factory or whatever to turn it into food and, and packaged, or is it like single ingredients that you have to physically like clean and, and cook and all that kind of stuff and, and mix together on your own. So that would be, you know, the one, one biggest thing I would suggest for people is really looking at, um, the quality of food that you're taking in. And if it's real food, then awesome. You're, you're on the right path already. And then if you're finding like, Hey, I'm not, I don't have enough energy to support my, my training and stuff like that, then start, you know, maybe looking at counting your macros and see like if you're taking in enough carbs to support what you're doing, um, you know, throughout the day, energy wise, if you are doing multiple workouts a day and training for hours a day, you need to be taking in carbs. You can't just live off chicken breasts and, uh, what is it? (laughs) And fried rice and what? Fried rice. rice? Well, Yeah, like you can't just have uh, chicken breast and broccoli to to support your activity level if you're putting in three hours of training. But uh, that uh, you know that's something that you would dial in a little bit more. I know people who have uh, come in and like, oh yeah, I you know I lost a, a ton of weight on the the ketogenic diet, or um, you know I, I had a previous client who ended up going to uh, Arizona and was put on a, a diet of like 700 calories a day and was only able allowed to walk a mile and wasn't allowed to do anything else. Um, this person was always like very lethargic and tired and didn't have a whole lot of energy, lost a ton of strength and stuff like that, and then ended up... Um, ended up going on a maintenance diet, which didn't end up working out. So any weight that was lost was gained back. And, uh, it's anytime, like anytime I'm suggesting eating habits for people, it should be stuff that you could do for the next, you know, three months, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20, like the rest of your life. So it's not, it shouldn't be about, Hey, what can get me, you know, to where I want to be as fast as possible you know, unless you're, you know, three months out from a high school reunion and your ex-husband's going to be there with his, you know, new girl or whatever. And you're like, I just, I just need to like, you know, (laughs) 
other other than that, then it's just like workouts where you're just going to get your butt kicked and, uh, and really like, you know, tweak the, the eating habits in your favor sort of thing. But when it comes to like, Hey, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and, and, you know, look great, feel great. Then, then, um, get on the right path by really eating real food first off. And then you can like start tweaking and playing with that once you get into a habit of that. Yeah, it's funny. And to veer off shortly, um, Craig, just, just, just not that the high school reunions weren't bang on, but, um, the other day I was weightlifting with one of our weightlifting coaches here, Craig, and I was, I told him a a number I wanted to hit. And he's like, you don't think about numbers. There's no end goal. You just want to be going in the right direction. You want to be getting stronger. Don't be thinking about any numbers or anything like that. And that kind of goes to what you're saying. Don't focus on a day. You don't need to look good by a certain day. Just keep things going in the right direction. That's like probably more important than, oh, I want to lose this amount of weight by this day. It's like, okay, but then what happens after that? You know, and um, Ben Bergeron talked about uh, goal setting and how it's kind of different for different people. But as somebody who really liked goal setting for a long time, like myself, um, it kind of becomes like I'm going to take every like possible shortcut I can to get to this goal. And you kind of lose track of the effort and the process that is far more important than whatever that end goal is. You know, I think it's so easy to get confused and stuff like that. Yeah, there's uh, there's different ways to get to certain certain get get certain results and and goals, uh, and usually I know people want results as quick as possible. They want to do whatever it takes um, to get there as quickly as possible, and that's not always the the best way because usually it's something that's that's not very sustainable. Um, so you know when we're we're talking about plateaus or there's different, different ways that you can hit these plateaus, whether it's, you know, weight loss or weight gain. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the nutrition there. Uh, it could be, um, technical issues in, uh, in your technique for certain lifts that are limiting, um, the ability to say, get a certain weight overhead. If we're going to talk about the snatch, for example, it could be that, Maybe your bar path isn't too straight on the way up. You're banging that bar out in front a bit and you're always chasing it. So that would be more of a technical issue that needs to be fixed. Um, mechanical or mobility, maybe you can't get a bar overhead in a proper you know, overhead position, even in a wide grip, like a snatch grip or something like that. So that might meet, need a bit more uh, mobility work for the shoulders or T-spine. Um, could be strength. So maybe, uh, maybe it's your level of strength, not being able to, to move the weight, uh, to where you need it. So you're doing other things which might throw the technique off or maybe like central nervous system overload. So if you're spending a lot of time training, um, say you're maxing out a lot during the week and you're doing a lot of like heavy work, your central nervous system is going to get overloaded and, um, weights that you feel like you should be able to hit without an issue could, could become an issue or, uh, you know, you're just not, uh, not able to lift it. Like, I think there was a, a clip where Sarah Sigmund's daughter was in the, uh, in the games this year, 2017 and was doing cleans. And she was just like, you know, I've done this weight before. I don't know why I, you know, I couldn't hit it I don't know what's wrong. And, you know, they've just been put through like, I don't know how many workouts were before that one, but, uh, 
you know, sometimes your the the amount of rest you need between lifts to hit them consecutively, you know, might need to be a bit longer depending on your level of fatigue, central nervous system fatigue, um, volume that you've been hitting over the past few days, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, comes into play. So it's just really knowing yourself and, and knowing your body when it comes to that and maybe not looking around and worrying about what everyone else is doing, but just trying to be a bit more, bit more dialed in with, uh, with what you're doing. So, um, you know, going back to say the technical uh, issues and efforts, um, just spending time with like lighter weight and really working on moving uh, moving the bar in a correct path. Um, you know, spending that time after a workout or even before working on some mobility or mechanical deficiencies, hitting that ROMWOD after workouts or attending some yoga classes, stuff like that. Um, or even ask some coaches for uh, for some assistance. Like if uh, if you can't get into a certain position, say, hey, like what's you know, going to give me the best bang for my buck if I can spend five, 10 minutes a day, because that'll all add up by the end of the week, end of the month, end of the year, and probably make you a better mover and a better person. Strength, strength takes time to, uh, to increase. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, like technique, you can potentially clear up in a shorter period of time. It could take, you know, maybe hours, could be like a week or multiple weeks, depending on, you know, who you're working with or how you're trying to, uh, to achieve better mechanics and technique. Um, and, uh, the CNS overload is stuff that you could just like really pay attention to. So I think, uh, what we could go into next is, uh, is maybe like, what can you do to, to minimize this plateau syndrome yeah so obviously not all of us are ninjas like Caden and just walking to the gym PR every single day so for the rest of us mortals um I think you know it's funny what I forget who asked him but there was somebody asked Louis Simmons like the west side barbell owner he's got like the strongest gym in the world somebody asked him what does it take to get strong like kind of hoping for some program or some rep scheme and Louis just looks at the camera and says years son years <laughs> it's so true you know like anytime you feel like you're really struggling with weight just look at where you were like you know four years ago and it's like okay no I have made some small changes it just it takes a while sometimes and I think patience is definitely essential that being said I think um bang for your buck like mechanical work I think is so good as like you can get so much for just a small change, like just shifting the weight a little bit more to your heel, your toe on when you're pulling or catching or whatever. You can get such a good rate of return for just having somebody even watching you or film yourself so that you can see where your weight's moving and what's going on exactly. I think that's that's such an important thing. And like for me, when I hit because I hit a PR of 185 for the snatch and then could not snatch more than that for like you know, six months or something like that. And I completely went, I stripped my entire technique down, put on 65 pounds on the barbell, so the 10-pound plates, and just did, like, sets of three and filmed every set and, like, completely rebuilt my snatch from the ground up. And it, it took a long time, and I almost thought of it as, like, making a new PR every time I hit a snatch with that new technique that I had learned. So like a big part for me was not stripper pulling, which is when your hips rise really fast and your knees kind of extend backwards, but you're not really keeping any tension on your quads. You're kind of like 
your butt comes up really fast and then you have to like yank the bar all the way backwards. You bang it out off your hips and there's a whole bunch of really unnecessary movement happening. And I think that happens a lot just when people get tired, they don't want to use their legs anymore. So they kind of just push their legs out from under them and then kind of like Romanian deadlift the snatch up and then press it out overhead. And I was definitely guilty of that. But rebuilding that, you know, within two months, I snatched 205, you know, and that's after like six months of 185. And even 185 at that technique I had was really inconsistent. Like it was really hard to hit that 185 snatch if I wanted to. And so I got a huge rate of return. I couldn't say I got that much physically stronger. Like it's not like my deadlift, my squat or my bench or anything went up. It was just I got so much more proficient with the movement that all of a sudden I could snatch 185 anytime I wanted. And then 195 and 205 came like right after each other. It was like no problem. Cool. And that takes, that takes someone that's uh, willing to put in that time and that effort and kind of like check your ego at the door and, uh, and take a step back and like, like you said, basically rebuild that snatch. So, you know, you can get to a, a certain point doing things a certain way. Um, they may not be the exact right way, but you can kind of still get away with it. But uh, yeah, you just, it's, it's tough for some people to do like, you know, dropping down to maybe like 60% of, uh, of that snatch and then just working on movement patterns over and over again. And it's not, it's not fun. I don't know if I've ever seen an Instagram video of someone doing like snatch pulls at 60% of their one rep max or snatches at 60% or something like that. But, um, you know, sometimes it is just working on getting that, uh, that bar moving exactly how you need it to and, and not worrying about, you know, running right up to your previous PR and, and seeing if you can do that again or whatever. It's just being patient with it and, um, and just kind of getting the bar feeling the way it, uh, the way it should on the way up. Um, it's, I, I do find that it is tough to kind of get athletes to, to take a step back and, uh, and work on some of that stuff. Cause everyone has, has the idea of you need to be working at your heavier weight to get better at, at, you know, getting that heavier weight overhead. And that's, you know, not the, um, that's not the way to go about it. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of benefit to training at lighter weight and, and just really being, uh, uh, just really knowing what you're doing and how you're moving and, uh, and being able to feel that. So I think, uh, I think some of the stuff that, uh, that we can do to sort of minimize those plateaus is write stuff down. So whether it's writing down your workout, um, you know, how stuff felt doing, taking videos, um, not just for like, you know, posting on Instagram or whatever, but I use coaches. Eye. it's a great app for, uh, for slowing stuff down and then looking at it afterwards. And, um, you know, we'll use it on athletes in class here and just kind of like show them, Hey, this is what you're doing. And, and a lot of times people haven't, they don't know you're like, you know, the bar, you're banging it out. We got to get you staying over the bar a little longer on the way up. So, uh, and then just working on, on extending the body um, a bit more at the top. And, uh, sometimes after seeing it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Like, you know, when I was doing my snatch pulls, uh, we had this workout going on on Saturday, we were doing like two pulls from the hang followed by a power snatch. 
And uh, for some people, their their poles and their snatch looked the same. And then for others, they would do the two poles that looked beautiful. And then the third one, just because the bar was going overhead, something changed in that pole. They cut it short. So, um, and then as soon as they were starting to open up a little bit more, it just gave them more time to get under the bar. And uh, and it it just change the technique big time, but it's, it's just something so small, but at the same time, it makes a, a big difference in the end. So yeah, writing down those workouts, any like videos of your movements and stuff like that, not worrying about load as much as movement patterns and having, you know, your, your lighter lift, lifts look as good as the heavy ones or, you know, vice versa, same thing. Um, just really putting in time and technique on that. Um, you know, with, with writing that stuff down, even just writing down how your body's feeling with stuff. Like if you're coming to the end of the week, it's Saturday and you're, you're, you know, in a weightlifting class and then you stay after and you're doing the CrossFit class or something like that. And you've trained all week from like Monday to Friday already, you may not be feeling a hundred percent. You may be a little worn down and, uh, you know, depending on your, your sleep and, and nutrition, like we had talked about previously, like you may not be in top form. So, you know, modifying a workout accordingly if need be, and just, uh, just listening to your body, not, uh, not beating yourself up because you're not putting out exactly what you think you should, or, you know, where you should be. Um, and then just really tracking your, your mood and recovery on a daily basis. So if you're writing, you know, all that stuff down and you start to see a pattern like less and less sleep, um, skipping meals, um, you know, stuff like that, then that's definitely going to lead to, you know, a potential decline in, uh, in recovery and in your training progress. Yeah. Something that, um, I noticed on that same point that I hear a lot with um, when you listen to podcasts or interviews with, with really powerful athletes. So like John Wellborn and um, AJ Roberts, like two guys that come to mind because both of them have said this. And I don't think they know each other. So that's always like a pretty good hint when somebody's onto something is if you see people in completely different ends of the world doing very similar things to achieve good results, that's usually a sign that they know what they're talking about. And, um, the way it came about was John Wellborn was like um, he spent some time with one of the Russian sports scientists who's the running guy. I forget exactly what his name was. But um, he said at one point Russia did this huge study internally that they had done a whole bunch of um, data to find basically like this ultimate program. They took every program that every one of their Olympic athletes was on and compiled it all together and tried to find some magic formula and all they came up with was the strongest guys in competition lifted the most weights in practice. The fastest people in competition ran the fastest in practice. And John describes this as a brain explosion when he was driving home from that meeting, realizing, oh my gosh, the strongest guys lift the most weights and the fastest people are in the fastest. Of course, what that means is they're not beating themselves to a pulp, showing up to the gym like, oh, I guess I'm going to lift some weight today and then go and miss 70% snatches for five minutes. Like, you should be feeling on the ball when you're in the gym and you should be ready to actually give your full effort. And if you're not, you need to be paying more attention to that recovery like you were talking about. You need to be tracking your mood and you need to be in touch with your body and knowing where you are 
systemically and, you know, even central nervous system wise, like if you're fried out, there's no point in going to the gym and throwing your head into a wall and not getting anything done, right? To lift heavier weights, you need to be in the right mindset to be pushing yourself hard enough to create that adaptation. If you're coming into the gym and you're like, you just did the CrossFit wad and now you're going to do the weightlifting class and you're like warming up with the bar and you're like already like sweating hard, squats are slow and <laughs> coach is telling you to speed up and you just can't go any faster, you've kind of hit a point where you're not really going to get much out of that workout other than you're just going to be kind of fumbling around a lot. And, you know, he said it was the same with the track and field athletes. You know, they don't do a thousand sets of a thousand, right? Like, um... I forget what his name is. Um, Mo, the guy who won the Olympics in the 5,000 meter. And his coach went on uh, and did a lecture at a university somewhere. And he was like, um, the way we train is not by doing 1,100 miles of running. What we do is a decent amount of volume. But he said they don't run more than 10K all that often. And Mo does the 10K. And I think he even won it at the London 2012 Olympics. And that's about how far he runs in training. Because he runs the 10K in one-kilometer intervals going way faster than anybody else is going over that 10K. And then when he goes to the 10K race, he knows what it's like to run 10K at that pace. Because he's done it. He just did it with some rest intervals. But that's such an important thing that you're on the ball in training and you're not just kind of like slogging through the movements. Yeah, I know in triathlon, I think one of the biggest things, uh, or even not just triathlon, but runners, a lot of them uh, would be training to run a 5 or a 10K or a half marathon, and a lot of them would train by running those distances. They weren't varying their distances. They weren't having one long run a week, a threshold run, you know, another day, some uh, track repeats or anything like that, a third day. And then uh, maybe adding in, a, you know, a fourth day of like a medium distance run or something like that. And then also like cross training or, or just like balancing those those runs out um, so that they're not beating themselves up. If you're if you're trying to run a fast 5K and you're trying to knock time off your 5K then don't just keep running 5K um, at the same pace. That's not going to change anything. You'll get very good at running, you know, your your 5K at a 10-minute mile pace. But if you want to break that, then you definitely need to be changing up uh, changing up your training. So, you know, linking this back to, to our hitting plateaus and stuff like that. So whether it is like, you know, getting faster for a 5K or if it is, uh, you know, changing up your, your training a little bit in, uh, in classes. Um, you know, CrossFit has a lot of different movements. There's a lot of different aspects to, um, to what we do. And for people who are wanting to be a bit more competitive, um, like sitting down and, and really doing some goal setting and maybe like talking to a coach about doing some specific testing for your major weaknesses and working on some of those major weaknesses um, are going to carry over to other things and, and help out. Um, I know there's, there's athletes that'll, that'll ask for you know, strength training programs when they're already probably one of the, one of the, the stronger athletes in the gym. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe we need to work on some of your, some of your conditioning and, uh, and work on some body weight exercises rather than just making you even stronger. Cause that, um, 
that can that can limit you if you're if you're wanting to be more competitive in the sport of say crossfit or if you're just wanting to be a more well-rounded athlete you know if your goal is to become a weightlifter and you're just wanting to get stronger so you can be better in weightlifting then you know yeah strength and technique is definitely uh going to help out but uh just really you know looking at major weaknesses and attacking those weaknesses can really help to get past those uh past those plateaus and it doesn't mean you have to give up on other things that are say your strengths you just you know don't need to spend as much time on it um if you're say for example if you're someone who loves snatching there's people who will just like you know pretty much snatch almost every day if they could and then their clean and jerk is uh is not up to par with uh <laughs> ben's pointing at himself right now your clean and jerk isn't up to uh up to par with your snatch numbers um maybe your max clean and jerk is your your max snatch <laughs> but anyways um but yeah it's uh you might need to spend a little bit more time cleaning and uh and working on say that jerk technique whether it's from the rack or from the blocks um maybe uh you like to power clean because it's easier maybe it's spending more time squatting in the rack or doing more squat cleans and limiting the power uh power work that you're doing but um yeah there's always always different ways to kind of get past those plateaus but i think one of the biggest things that you need to do is really you know take a look at yourself or or have a coach like sit down with a coach talk to a coach and say hey like how can i you know how can i get past this this is what i want this is the direction i want to go in um, and then, you know, having the coach kind of maybe let you know about this is what you're going to have to do to get there. Um, this is how long it's going to take. And are you willing to put in some of those sacrifices and put in the work to, uh, to actually get there? And there's some people that are going to be like, yep, let's do it. And then there's others that, <laughs> and then there's others that are going to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm just I'm just going to do the 515 class and I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, depends on the individual, depends on, you know, where you want to go and where you want to take it. But I think that, you know, anyone anywhere is, is, you know, far away from, from their potential, their genetic potential. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like, you know, what are you, what are you willing to do to get there? Because, uh, you know, you can keep doing the same thing over and over again and get the same results. I think a, a very brilliant man said that once, Albert Einstein. But, uh, you know, uh, it was something along those lines that wasn't an exact quote, everyone. But, um, yeah, it's it's just be honest with yourself and, and you know, attack weaknesses. And uh, that's what, you know, coaches in any CrossFit gym around the city are willing to help you do. I know a lot of these... Uh, gyms that are around now um are putting people through workouts that are just getting them to sweat they're not actually really teaching good technique they're not they're just trying to get people in get people out um you know and uh and i think that's you know it, it's horrible to see like i i just hear about this from people that are coming in asking about our gym and stuff like that and you know just telling me about their experiences and stuff and uh and i'm like that you know it, it really sucks because not every place is like that and these aren't crossfit gyms they're going to um you know there's a lot of awesome crossfit gyms around the city who you know welcome you know athletes wanting to do more and wanting to push themselves and challenge themselves 
And uh, I don't, I don't know of any that are probably pushing people away. Going, ah, you know what? You're, you're, you're good. You don't need to get any better. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what we do. That's what we're known for. And we, you know, typically want people to hang out, spend extra time working on uh, weaknesses and skill work and stuff like that because we know that's that's what's going to get you better. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But um, another thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, before we wrap it all up was uh, I think a lot of people lose focus when they're, we're doing stuff like this and you need to have focus without necessarily having a specific goal. But I think that focus is so important and it's people are so easily distracted by things or like, you know, you have, you have a bad day and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm done with this. Going to try something else. And I think that, Focus is really like one of those words that gets tossed around and I don't think people really take it for what it is. Like putting hashtag focus on your Instagram post does not actually do anything for you. The whole point is that you're so focused on what you're doing, you should forget that you're going to post this video on Instagram. You should be watching it so intensely and like analyzing your technique so much that you've forgotten Instagrams even on your phone. That kind of focus is, I think, really kind of lost on people sometimes. And Brent Fikowski on a podcast recently was talking about, he got to train with Tia Claire Toomey before the games and he was like, couldn't say enough about her. He was like, it was just weird. We were doing the same things and she, something was different. Couldn't tell quite what it was. They were training with, um, I think there was another girl and another guy that were all getting trained by raw strength and conditioning. And Tia was just kind of there so that she had somebody to train with. And, you know, Brent was like, I don't know what was different about her five by five than, you know, the next girls, but there was just something different. And he attributed it to the focus, you know, that she was looking at the barbell or looking at a timer the whole time that the workout was happening. She wasn't like, you know, distracted with other things at the moment. She was like very focused and there was that kind of look you know a lot of people talk about the look louis simmons charles poliquin all those guys always talk about the look that serious athletes have it's not necessarily a frown and a super serious looking face but it's just you can see when somebody's focused yeah the game on look you know when sherlock says the game is on that look that's the look that needs to be on in the gym you know once you're driving home listening to music and whatever okay chill out but like when you're in the gym there needs to be a sense of focus. And even if you're chatting a little bit between sets, like, okay, but the focus definitely needs to be there. And it's, it's so easy for that to waft into the distance. No, I, uh, I can agree with that, Ben. Um, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be, you know, work that you would do after class or whatever, it's just being a little bit more present in the moment during class, listening to coaches and saying, how can I get the most out of what we're doing right now? Um, you know, if you're doing that, if you're asking questions, if you're dialed in on, you know, the movement and really paying attention to what you're doing, like, and are you getting a hundred percent out of the effort that you're putting in? And I, I don't mean intensity wise. I mean, just like, you know, being dialed in and, and being conscious of exactly what the what the coach is asking of you. So Ben's trying to play footsie with me over here. Um, but yeah, focus. <laughs> so with that, with that being said, like you know, just really, really taking advantage of of time. Any any time that you have that you are training, um, like Ben said, not worrying about how you're going to post it on Instagram or whatever. But it's just like 
if you if you hit a PR and it doesn't uh, end up on Instagram, it still counts. Um, you don't need to be like you know losing track of what you're doing to go and like set up the camera and stuff like that. Definitely cool to have some of that stuff on on video, but you know if it means that that extra you know three percent of that mental capacity is going towards that lift and just being like dialed in on it and really thinking about you know finishing that extension in your your pull for your snatch and and that making all the difference well you know that's that's well worth it and um i think that's something that that is practiced as well and uh just not getting comfortable with uh with movements even basic movements like you can always go back to basics you can always get better with that stuff and um and there's no you know there's no reason why uh you know, why you can't build on that or, or, you know, go back to any of that stuff at any point. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's so funny that like, um, Ben Bergeron talks about when he signed on catching, he was like, I love Ben, but he's like, catching didn't know how to air squat when we started. I'm like, she didn't know how to air squat. Like the fittest woman on earth three years ago was learning how to air squat. You know, and if, if she's not above it, then None of us are above it either, you know, and I, you know, going back to the plateauing thing, I think a lot of it comes from like people are, it's so easy for them to be like, oh, this this movement's good enough. And especially like in a class when you're all kind of competing with each other and you're all trying to just beat the next person, it's so easy to like, oh yeah, my movement's good enough. Just going to start throwing around dumbbells, whatever takes to move the weight. And I think you're really not doing yourself justice at that point. Yeah, I think that um, you know the everyone in the gym. Um, I don't think anyone anyone here is the you know one of the best movers in the world. Uh, and uh, there's always something that us as coaches can be giving to uh, to members. And I know sometimes, like even if it is something very basic, I get a an eye roll back every once in a while or whatever, and it's like, well, I'm not even holding weight or anything like that, and it's like that doesn't matter because when you do put weight on, if you are still that disconnected when it comes to the movement, then, uh, you like, it's not always like flicking a switch, even, even in practice, even in warm up, you can still kind of, you know, work on those proper movement patterns and techniques that can lead to, you know, positive gains, whether it is like your technical mechanical strength or, uh, you know, just really getting, um, your, uh, motor patterns, under control before adding load to it. So, um, I think that's about it for, uh, for today's podcast. So I'd like to thank everyone or anyone for listening. If you are listening out there, um, once again, if you have any questions or if you'd like uh, to hear any specific uh, podcasts or uh, topics or anything like that, please, uh, let us know. You can send us a, an email, at info at s-t-a-r-k-e strength.com or if you want to check out our website www.starkstrength.com and uh, you know come in for a free class or see what uh, CrossFit's all about we also have uh, some classes that are not barbell related Uh, StarkFit's coming up very shortly as well which we're pretty excited about we got yoga classes going on um, we are building our 
Stark therapy team. We now have uh, three massage therapists. We've just acquired a couple awesome athletic therapists. And this week we are uh, still interviewing some physios. And uh, we've got some pretty awesome candidates that are lined up. So super excited to be posting them on our website uh, and introducing you guys to them. So uh, once again, if you have any questions, email us info at starkstrength.com or even give us a call at 204-421-8801. Thanks a lot, Ben, for uh, hanging out and chatting with us today. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully see you guys in our box soon.